husband knew that if anything were to happen to him, we would go back to our house in Jerusalem so his spirit would know where to find us. Hin's mother loved that man for most of her life, having married him at the age of fourteen, in accordance with a matrimonial agreement arranged by their families. Since she was of noble birth, and her future husband belonged to a clan whose members occupied the most prominent civil and religious posts in the city, from governor to mayor to mufti, the wedding ceremony turned out to be quite a spectacle. The bride arrived on a white horse, a purebred Arabian, followed by her entire family. She brought as dowry three tracts of land and two houses, while the groom, in keeping with an ancient Arab custom, gave her a copper chest lined with red velvet, overflowing with gold jewelry, especially fashioned for the occasion, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, and rings. Despite their beauty, Hin's mother rarely wore her gold ornaments, for she considered displays of wealth vulgar. The celebration took place in the house of the groom's family, where the women had prepared grilled lamb, spiced with cardamom and cinnamon, basmati rice with pine nuts and raisins, squash, carrots, and leeks sautéed with onions and nutmeg, yogurt, and various trays filled with mixed fruits. The dancing began toward evening and didn't end until long past midnight, when the parents of the bride and groom accompanied them to their new home in the Armenian quarter. The young couple's relatives waited outside the house until the hills of Jerusalem turned pale pink with the first light of dawn. Only then did the groom reappear to present proof that his marriage had been consummated and his bride was truly a virgin. A certain tranquility still reigned in the Jerusalem in which Hind took her first steps. Even though she was a Muslim, as a child she spent every Christmas Eve at the American Colony Hotel, which was once the palace of a Turkish pasha. Every year its owner, Bertha Spafford, a rich and eccentric American, threw a Christmas party in the hotel for the children of the quarter, who were served a turkey dinner with bread and raisin stuffing, followed by dessert and the distribution of presents. In a corner of the main lobby stood a Christmas tree, a gift from Hin's mother, who, with the help of her sons, had dug it up from her property. At the end of the festivities, the children would follow Bertha outside to witness the transplanting of the tree to the hotel grounds, because, as Bertha would tell her young guests, if we let the tree die, then the Christmas party will have served no useful purpose. Following dinner, it was customary to sing Christmas carols in Arabic, after which the Christians would attend midnight mass in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Bertha and Hin's mother eventually established a small infirmary for the farmers who worked the Husseini lands. One day, when a newborn was abandoned at the infirmary door, the two women, helped by a volunteer physician, immediately took the baby in and cared for it until they found a farmer and his family who were willing to adopt it. Hind and her brothers received an excellent education. Their mother expected them to spend at least a couple of hours each day reading. Their books of choice included some novels in English, acquired with Bertha's help. Hind's mother was particularly insistent on her daughter's instruction because, as she said, education elevated a woman's social status. Hind was sent to women's college in Jerusalem, while her brothers, like young men from other important Palestinian families, Hussainis, Nashashibis, Dijanis, completed their studies in prestigious universities in Damascus or Cairo. 
Hind was privileged to spend her adolescence in one of the most fascinating cities in the world. Although some signs of the disasters to come were already evident, in those days Jerusalem was still a place where children could grow up in peace. Hind's mother would have liked to marry her off in grand style to one of her cousins, but Hind was intent on continuing her studies in Damascus. The Arab revolt against the British mandate in 1936 interrupted both the mother's projects and the daughter's dreams. To the two women who washed the body before it was wrapped in a shroud, so that the deceased would stand before God perfectly pure as prescribed in the Quran, the features of Hin's face seemed as serene as when she was alive, unblemished by the excruciating agony that had afflicted her in her final hours. Hind had awakened the previous morning drenched in sweat, and although she tried to hide the pain, her illness...